Hi, this is Jimmy Evans with Marriage Today. This podcast is dedicated to equipping families with the teaching and tools they need to succeed. We hope you enjoy this episode and subscribe for more marriage building content. Karen and I almost divorced. We, we got married. We didn't know what we were doing. After several years of marriage, we almost divorced. And what I can say uh, after 40 years, we've been married 40 years now. And uh, what I can say after 40 years of marriage is this, this is my soulmate. This is the person that I'm my best friend, the person I'm glad I'm married to. But we have one heart. Our marriage is, we're not, we don't have a perfect marriage, but we have one heart. And we went from the place of almost divorcing to a place now of being one in God. And after 40 years of marriage and being happy and, and, and loving the fact that we're married and looking forward to the rest of our, our lives together. So I want to make it practical and I want to talk to you about how to become one heart in God. And the first thing is to become one in God's purpose, to become one in God's purpose. Let me give you a principle here to start out with, okay? You can only stay happily married if the reason you're married is greater than the stress that's on your marriage. Let me me repeat that now. You can only stay happily married if the reason that you're married is greater than the stress that you're experiencing, and you always have stress on your marriage. There's always a stressor on your marriage. You know, whether it's a physical issue or kids or money or in-laws or work or something like that, there are always stressors on our, on our marriage. And so to be happily married, the purpose, the reason for our marriage has to be great enough that it's greater than the stressors. And so the question is, why are you married? What is the, what is the purpose of your marriage? And when you, ask, when you ask a couple, you say, you know, did God put you together? They'll say, yes, and kind of goo at each other when they're saying it, you know. Yes, God put us together. And then you say, why? And they say, huh? Is because a lot of times we're very vague in our understanding of the purpose of our marriage. And when you ask people, really put pressure on people and say, okay, tell me why you're married. They'll say things like this, to share our lives together. That makes sense, you know. To build a family. To share finances because we're soulmates. Uh, we're physically attracted to each other. Uh, we're in love, okay? So all those, there's, there's nothing wrong with any of those answers per se, but remember, you can only stay happily married if the reason that you're married is greater than the stress that you're under right now. So let's just kind of go back through a few of those reasons and kind of look at them. You say, well, we got married because we want to share our lives together, okay? We want to share our lives together. Well, okay, great. But what happens one day when you wake up and realize you accidentally married the devil? You know, or his ex-wife. I mean, you know, you, that's the way you feel. You know, you, 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 know you, you got married to share your lives together, but all of a sudden you wake up and everything's changed. And they've changed. And they're not sharing anymore. Either they've kind of gone away from the marriage or they're dominating the marriage. They're not sharing. Okay? So I'm saying the reason you got married is now the stress that you're under. You got married because of your spouse. Now your spouse is the stress. You can only stay happily married if the reason that you're married is greater than the stress that you're under. And if you get married because you want to share your lives together, what happens when your spouse is the issue? Your reason is the stress. You say, well, we want to share our finances. You know, we, we have all these dreams for our finances. That's great, but what, what, what happens when there's nothing to share? You know, when you lost your job, when you've had a financial setback, and finances are the stress that you're under. And the number one reason people list is the reason they're divorcing is financial pressure. We got married because of finances. Now you're under financial pressure. Your reason is now your stress. And it's interesting, the top three reasons people marry are the top three reasons people list as the reason they're divorcing. So, so 
we're, we're getting married for all these reasons, then they become the stress, and that's the issue, okay? You say, well, we're attracted to each other, and we're in love. Well, you know, what happens when you don't feel that way any longer? What happens when the chemistry isn't there? What happens when you're out of love and you're, you're not feeling anything? Your feelings, the reason you got married, your feelings are now the stress that you're under, and you don't feel the way you used to feel anymore. Children, right on down the line, okay? So... When these and then they compound on each other. You have financial problems and child problems. You have work stress and you have physical issues. In other words, they begin to compound on each other, and now you have multiple stressors on your relationship. And what they do is they test the integrity of the purpose of your marriage. Did you choose a high enough purpose to keep you married when the stress comes on you? Okay, so Karen and I, this is what happened to Karen and I. We got married with all the best of intentions. I think if, if the reasons that I listed there, that's probably, we want to share our lives together, we want to build a family, all of those reasons, but we were on the brink of divorce, and those were the stresses that we were under. So, so what changed in our marriage? We changed purposes. What saved our marriage, if you ask Karen and I, why did you make it? It's because we made our marriage about God. The number one purpose that we're married is to fulfill God's will in our lives, okay? We're, mar we're married because of God. And so here's my question. Remember my principle now. You can only stay happily married if the reason that you're married is greater than the stress that you're under. Is any stress greater than God? No. He's the only reason that is greater than any stress that you'll ever be under. He's greater than money. He's greater than kids. He's greater than physical issues. He's greater than my job. He's greater than my past. He, he's greater than any, any giant, any mountain, any problem that I'll ever face. And so you ask Karen and I, why are you married? God, we're the on, God is the only reason we'll, we're still married today. Because we have gone through times of questioning. You know, did we make a mistake? Are we supposed to stay married? And, and no, we're, we're married for life. But God is the reason that we're married. And what we have found is in the good times and the bad times, God is greater than any issue that we'll ever face. Neither one of us is trying to train the other person to get our way. We are married to serve one purpose, and that's God's purpose in our lives. And everything else we do comes under that banner. Here's another way that you become one in God's heart, and that is to become one in God's will. Okay, here's, here's the question. Okay, how do two very different strongly opinionated people ever come into an agreement. How many of you, how many of you married somebody really opinionated? Karen's hand, Karen's hand isn't up. What's up? She just put it up. Yeah. Everybody's opinionated. Have you noticed that? Everybody, strong-willed, opinionated. You thought they were so sweet before you married them, and then you married them. It's like, gosh, they're so opinionated. It's just getting on my nerves. Okay, so the question, how can two people very strongly, you know, you're strong. I mean, God made you strong. God made you opinionated. There's nothing wrong with that. How do two very strong-willed people ever to come together in one will? See, Karen and I, when we got married, I was, she was a lot more stubborn than I thought she was before I married her, I can tell you that. And a lot more opinionated, and I was very dominant. I mean, I, she knew I was, you know, opinionated and dominant. I didn't know she was quite that much. I got a little surprised by that. But anyway, <laughs> she, so, how, is she laughing? Is she like, I need to know, because I'm, I'm uh, but 
See, many marriages are like this. It's two people butting heads. Here's how your marriage should be, submitting to one head. Amen. How do two people, very strongly opinionated people, come together in agreement under his will? We never, Karen and I never talk about who the boss of our marriage is. The boss of our marriage is the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're not trying to beat each other down or convince each other of anything. We're always trying to find his will. Let me say this. There's not one decision in our marriage we're not completely in agreement on because every decision we've made in our marriage for many years, we pray about and we talk about and we don't dominate each other or bully each other. We only have one interest and that's finding his will. And let me tell you about God's will. It's a perfect will. It will lead you into your promised land 100% of the time. We have limited wisdom and limited perspective. He's been around forever and he can see around the block three billion miles. He knows exactly the right decisions for us to make. And if we'll trust him, we'll always make a perfect decision. And God's will is a win-win will. The woman doesn't lose. The man doesn't lose. No one loses. Everybody gains from God's will. And so to to become one in God's will begins by both submitting to, to each other and to God. This is Ephesians 21, the context is marriage. Submit to one another in the fear of Christ. And the fear of Christ doesn't mean fear in a bad way, it means reverence. Submit to one another. It's telling, Ephesians 5 is telling women how to submit to men and men how to submit to women. Again, Karen and I, we've ne- we never bring up the subject of, of who the boss of our marriage is. Let me say this, when we had a bad marriage, I didn't know one other scripture in the Bible except she was supposed to submit to me. <laughs> And, and I quoted it on a regular basis, and it was a near-death experience. I'm telling you that right now. The sister, the sister didn't get it, I can tell you. So, but submit to one another in the fear of Christ. And what that means is, is that when Karen and I are talking about making decisions, we're kind to each other. We don't bully each other. But here's what we found out over the years. When you find God's will, you find God's blessing, and you find God's peace. And in our, in our home, we're not legalistic people, but what we do is when we're making a decision and Karen and I are in disagreement, the, the, the one who solves that argument is God's word. What does the word of God say about it? And you consult God's word, and we, what we do is we pray, we share, we consult God's word until we come to a place of agreement. And that's where after all these years, again, our home is built on one will. Karen and I share a oneness in our relationship because you know when I was dominating Karen it violated her it always violates you when someone's dominating you and it, we weren't basing our, our home on God's will we were basing it on my will and in some cases you know you get so frustrated that you divide within the home you're, you haven't divorced but you're within the home and what happens is you have two people living in the same house but you're living two different lives because you've decided this is how you're going to coexist I'm going to do my thing you do your thing well marriage isn't about living on different sides of the house Marriage is about sharing everything. And and here's how you do that. I I don't want to dominate you. Listen, I don't want to get my way. I want to get his way. And whatever his way means, if I have to change, if I have to repent, if if I have to sacrifice for God's way, I'll do it. The fruit of it is peace, and the fruit of it is oneness, becoming one in God's will. There's one other thing of how we become one heart, and that's becoming one in God's love, one in God's purpose, one in God's will, and one in God's love. We don't have the love to love each other with. We just simply don't. It's not in us, naturally. And Galatians chapter 5 says, the fruit of the Spirit is love. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, 
gentleness and self-control. And when the Bible uses the word love, the New Testament related to God, it's the word agape. Now, there's eros love, that's a sexual love. We have that kind of love, which is, you know, uh, it's not bad necessarily, but it's not enough. We have, there's a word called epithumeia, it's a Greek word, and it means passion. We have that. I mean, we, we get passionate about each other, but again, it's not enough. There's a phileo type of a love. It means a friendship kind of a love. I like you. You know, you're, you're my buddy. You're my best friend. That's an emotion. But the word agape is the only word for love that does not depend on an emotion. See, when you, when you depend on an emotion for love, what it means is when you're not feeling good, you can't love. And you get stranded and you say, we're out of love. Let me, let me say something to you. Depending on God, you can never be out of love unless you refuse to ask God for more of it. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Here's how to be one in God's love. And the first is don't trust your emotions. They're fickle. You can't depend on them. You have absolutely no idea what your emotions are going to do tomorrow. You have no idea. And neither do I. I may wake up in a good mood, in a bad mood. You know, I don't know. But here's what I know. God will be on his throne tomorrow. And he will be able to give me the ability to love regardless of how I feel. I don't trust my emotions. My, I, the reason I don't trust my emotions is because if I do trust my emotions and my emotions turn negative, I'm going to become negative. And what I've learned is I've got to act above my emotions to have a righteous marriage and to be a righteous husband. And I can't use my emotions as an excuse of doing the wrong thing because I don't feel good or, or I'm out of love or whatever. It also means you have a time every day when you're asking the Lord to fill you with his love. Now, Karen and I, for many years, I've never known a day in 40 years that my wife didn't read the Bible every morning under any circumstance. But here's the most important thing that Karen and I do for our marriage. When we wake up in the morning, she gets her coffee, goes to one side of the house, I get my coffee, go to the other side of the house, and we sit in the presence of the Lord and we take our fears and our hurts and our worries and our desires and our dreams and our needs to God first. And when I'm praying, here's, here's the way I pray every day concerning Karen and concerning my life. And that is, Lord, I don't have the ability to love Karen the way that I need to. I just, I just don't have that ability. I, I openly admit I don't. And I'm asking you to fill me with your love for Karen. See, God did not design us to love each other out of our own soul. He designed us to where we would come to him he would fill us with love and we would love each other out of the overflow of God's love. When I, when I have been in the presence of the Lord in asking God for him to fill, fill me with his love, it's, it really is amazing how godly I can be um, under stress. When I haven't been in the presence of the Lord after 40 years of being a Christian, it's amazing how carnal I can be under stress. It, love is just not in me. It's just love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's the personality of Jesus Christ. That's the person our spouse needs. And the wonderful thing is, God gives it away for free anytime we ask. Regardless of my past, regardless of my natural personality, regardless of our circumstances, I can have the personality of Jesus right now. All I've got to do is just ask. The fruit of the Spirit is love. The fruit of the Spirit is joy. The fruit of the Spirit is peace. Under any circumstances, on the worst day of your life, in the worst circumstances that you're going through, you can be full of God's love. So when I'm operating in God's love, I'll never be out of love with you. 
It doesn't mean if I like you. It doesn't matter if I like you right now. It doesn't matter if we're having hard times. I'm not loving you out of the capacity of my emotions. I'm loving you out of the capacity of God's spirit. And listen to me, when I go talk to God about Karen, he will not take up an offense against her because I've tried to get him to. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Don't act like you haven't tried it. Here's what I found out about God. He's madly in love with her. And when I go complaining, he doesn't, he, doesn't, he doesn't listen, but he's very sympathetic to the fact that I need a lot of help. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? I don't feel confident whatsoever in my capacity to love. I'm, I'm not the marriage guy because I, I know how to do all this. I'm the marriage guy by the grace of Almighty God. Karen and I have one heart that we share in our marriage, and we're not special. We're not special at all. God created marriage that we would love each other with all of our hearts. And that means we have one purpose for our marriage under one will, sharing the same love from the same source. We hope that you enjoyed that teaching. Now, this is from our Becoming One seminar, Karen. Mm -hmm. We're talking about becoming one heart. Mm -hmm. Uh, one soul, one mind, one flesh mm -hmm. uh, in that full seminar uh, that we have that we just offered to everybody. Now, Becoming One Heart, I want to talk about becoming one in God's will. In the teaching there, I was talking about becoming one in God's will. The, God says they too shall become one. Mm -hmm. Okay, And the question is, how can two very strong-willed people mm -hmm. become one? Mm -hmm. And that is when you surrender to God. Right. Okay, And so when when we got married, uh, you, you you had low self-esteem, but that didn't mean you weren't strong-willed. And I you will, were, I'll admit I was strong-willed. Yeah, well, you had you know a little <laughs> attitude there. Hello. So well, but I was dominant. Okay, yeah, and yeah. so I was I was dominant. Mm -hmm. You were strong-willed, mm -hmm. and we were just you know we fought all the time, and, and it got worse and worse. But a lot of people, I mean, you you're a strong person. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm a strong person. Mm -hmm. And many of our viewers watching right now, I mean, you're just thinking, you know, how did I marry someone with you know, such a strong personality, we fight all the time. Well, I talked in the teaching there about surrendering to the will of God. Mm -hmm. See, we never talk about who the boss in our marriage is mm -hmm. because Jesus is Lord of our marriage. Mm -hmm. So the, the point in us becoming one, we're not trying to win. Mm -hmm. We're trying to find God's will. Mm -hmm. it, we're, I'm not trying to impose my will on you. I'm trying to find God's will and God's will is always best for our marriage. And mm -hmm. so today, Karen, in our decision-making, it's different than before. It is, and you know, when you're talking, it's, it feels so good to be where we are today, but it took a while to get there, you know? And so, you know, when you start the process, you know, you're gonna have bumps in the roads and there's gonna be times where you're thinking, what is our purpose again? And yeah. it doesn't feel like this is our purpose. And, and, and the thing that, I, especially for women, I think, they need to give their husband extra grace in their walk with the Lord because as a woman, we seem to get the spiritual, relational, and we want more of God faster, maybe. It's not a better or, or worse thing. It's just that we grow a little faster. I think that's true. And so, you know, and so the husband is a little slower and picking up and then the woman gets resentful because he's not where she wants him to be spiritually. And then it just starts this thing in the man that says, well, I don't, I don't want that if that's how it's going to make you act. I don't want it. And so, you know, I, I think it's so important to, as as you're growing and as you're making this uh, a step in your marriage of becoming one heart, you know, allow each other's hearts to be in God's hands. Mm 
Right. You know, God's the one that changes us, not each other. And God has our hearts, and, and you need to trust what God is doing in your spouse's heart as much as you trust Him for your own heart, and that you can't change your husband. I can't change Jimmy, but I know God can change me because I'm willing and I'm yielded and I'm surrendered to Him. And then it's up to God. You know, when I'm out of the way, God can deal with him, and He can get him to a place of maturing and, and going the direction. And I remember um, him bypassing me. It was like, I, you know, we, we, it was just like all of a sudden he's way beyond where I was. And, you know, he was, and then that's when the Lord had, you know, had already called you in the ministry, but you had just really got anointed. And I was just like, wow, to the point where I considered him my pastor. You know, I would go to church and it was like, I was being fed by my husband because, you know, he was so in love with God and the purpose of our life was so obvious then. But I didn't see it that way. It's just, you know, our marriage was our marriage and then there's the ministry. But now I look back and I just think of how God's taken a step by step. And it's been such a miraculous thing because we were so messed up that, you know, so be encouraged that give each other grace, let each other take the steps that need to be taken and, and watch what God can do in both of you. Absolutely. And, you know, Karen, we're talking about becoming one in God's will and I, everything you said is right. But for men, they need to understand that, that one of a woman's most important needs is the need of leadership. Mm -hmm. And that, that you don't want to be dominated. Right. But be initiating the well-being of mm -hmm. the home. So it's my responsibility as a husband to initiate the process of finding God's will. Mm -hmm. In other words, if financially, if we're, if we're buying a house, if mm -hmm. we're buying a car, if we're sending the kids to school, mm -hmm. whatever decision that we're making, don't dominate each other. But, but surrender to God, mm -hmm. pray and talk. You'll make great decisions and, and, and they're your decisions together. And that's how you become one. This is Brent Evans with Marriage Today. And I wanna thank you for listening to the Marriage Today podcast. We believe your marriage has a 100% chance of success if you do it God's way. If you enjoyed today's teaching and wanna keep learning, subscribe to the Marriage Today podcast and take some time to leave us a review. Your reviews help us spread the word and can encourage someone else in need. For more great marriage content, check out marriagetoday.com where you can see all of our marriage building resources, videos, articles, and live events.